Welcome to the Government Huddle with Brian Chittister, a new podcast from Government Marketing University. My entire career has been dedicated to marketing in the government space. And in the beginning, I never cared about the why. I was completely focused on the how. It was all about the tactics, the analytics, the ROI, rinse and repeat. Then I decided I wanted to understand these programs and technologies the same way our customers do. It opened up a whole new world for me. And that is what this show is about, aligning the why with the how, taking a deep dive on current trends, making bold, educated predictions about the market, learning from expert guests, and discovering innovative concepts on how to respond to all of this. So join us as we talk about all things government marketers need to know about today, tomorrow, and beyond. Come on, let's huddle up. You have to think end-to-end and think about the machine. As you go through your career, you're lucky enough you'll get broader perspective on your business and you'll zoom out from where you are today in your role, which whatever your role is, whether you're a digital designer, whether you're a social media specialist, whether you're in PR or Marcom, as you begin to zoom out from your current area of responsibility, see how you fit into the broader picture, you can identify where you can help the business grow and that's gonna grow your career. All right, guys, welcome back to the Government Huddle Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Chittister. Hope everyone listening has been able to get away this summer, even if it just means I'm plugging from work a little bit. It's been a long few months stuck at home for all of us, I know. Uh, for me, it's a really busy time of the year because at Open Text we have a, it's kind of weird, it's a July 1st to a June 30th fiscal year. So I've been in the middle of closing out the year and getting strategies and plans ready for the incoming fiscal year. Um, but normally it's it's time for me to kind of decompress a little bit. Uh, it's frustrating to do in the middle of the summer. Um, but it's been nice because I think we have hit a little bit of a shift and now we see a little more clearly what this new normal is going to be. Not 100%, obviously, but certainly better than in February or March. So it's given me a chance to make more informed strategy decisions after all this craziness. And as I look into the next fiscal year, for me, I want to do a better job of building a deeper partner ecosystem. I really want to look to leverage the channel more and scale out my reach one of the companies out there doing a lot to help marketers is DLT Solutions in that regard. So I thought it would be a great time to bring on their new head of marketing to talk about that amongst other things. And some of my audience that's involved with Government Marketing University probably already knows him from his 2019 Gainer Award last fall. But if you don't know Tom Mahoney, he's a great marketing mind and I always learn something from him every time we talk. Tom, welcome to the show. And why don't you give our audience some information about your background and how you ended up at DLT? Thanks, Brian. Really excited to be here. Um, been with DLT for about five years now. It'll be five years this fall. Uh, I've been working in public sector marketing for about 10 plus years, B2B, B2G marketing in general for close to 20 years. Um, worked in the financial services industry, worked on federal contracts with IRS, Department of Education, Department of Treasury, and, and some state contracts as well, um, creating demand for, for sales and marketing companies. And saw an opportunity with DLT where they were looking to revitalize their marketing operations function. Um, that was five years ago. And, and today I'm the head of DLT's marketing team and, and helping us uh, take the brand forward and, and deliver new value to our channel partners and manufacturers. Yeah, your role at DLT is is one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the show because you do work with so many different 
focus areas of government, whether it's OEMs, partners, et cetera. So I think you bring a lot of insight that I think our audience is going to take a lot away from today. But before we get into that, I know you've been through some recent changes at DLT and all for the better, I'd imagine. For those of you who don't know, DLT was acquired by Tech Data at the tail end of 2019. But there's some more news to share now, right? Yeah, it's, um, you know, the, the good news keeps coming. Uh, Apollo recently completed the acquisition of Tech Data uh, just the beginning of this month. And that's really exciting. I mean, we were really excited to begin with because when you bring all the value that DLT has been creating for the U.S. public sector and you combine it with the scale of resources and the distribution engine of a tech data, we already had a great story to tell the marketplace. Mm -hmm. Here comes Apollo. They complete this acquisition of tech data because they saw this global leader and they're choosing to make strategic investments in that business that's just going to accelerate the digital transformation for technology companies, channel partners, and ultimately the U.S. public sector. It's really exciting times. Yeah, I saw it's upwards of around $750 million in investment for digital transformational technologies. I think that really shows the the amount of value they see in the market, but also the, the type of investment that they're making in, in tech data and DLT. They see the amount of investment um, or the amount of value that can come from the public sector. So I think that's going to be definitely a game changer when it comes to this market for sure. Yeah, I would have to agree. I mean, it, it's so exciting to see somebody want to make that level of investment in a company that's already a global leader, and they're seeing even more potential as, as you make that pivot to digital transformation, which as a marketer, I think we've all been talking about how do we move more of our channels and programs into the digital space so that we can create more interesting, qualified demand and, and more innovative marketing programs. And so to hear that news is really exciting for us. Yeah, of course. And and so let's get into some of the areas of opportunity that we were talking about, because as I mentioned earlier, you do work with a lot of different, whether it's manufacturers or partners alike, um, coming out of this pandemic and even going through it with them, what were some of the challenges that you witnessed that a lot of companies were facing? It, it's a great question. I mean, like the world has changed on us. Um, you know, what we look at today, DLT's mission, very clear, and that has not changed, is we are here to accelerate public sector growth for technology companies. And we do that through purpose-built systems, processes, and teams that are designed to help take IT, the latest edge technology, and deliver that to the U.S. public sector through our channel partners. And that hasn't changed, but the way we execute that has to change based on what we've seen happen just globally in the last few months. You know, one of the things that we recognized, you know, going back to early mid-March timeframe, as you know, more and more companies were sending people home to work remotely. Uh, and then we started to watch the US public sector move as well to, to moving uh, to working remotely. We recognized a couple things. The battle for the inbox was gonna heat up in a major way. What used to be other channels of reaching the end user, buyer, or decision maker, whether that's outbound calls, um, you know, digital advertising, all those things, the battle for the inbox was really going to heat up because everybody was going to be competing for attention there. So when you do that, how do you make sure that your message stands out a little bit differently? How do you make sure that you get through and your message doesn't get lost in the clutter? Uh, and that, that's what drove a change in strategy for us. We wanted to do a couple things. One, 
we wanted to reduce the volume of emails that public sector end users, decision makers, and buyers were receiving on a day-to-day, -day, weekly basis. We actually wanted to deliberately throttle back the volume. And at the same time, we couldn't throttle back volume and sacrifice providing and growing demand for, for the channel. So how do you balance those two things? Um, and what we did was we actually launched a remote working campaign. Um, it was a weekly newsletter campaign where we consolidated the latest offerings to help the public sector in this new working environment. Surrounded that with a landing page, social campaign, uh, paid digital, paid social campaigns, all pointing to the same assets. Doing that, we're able to consolidate our messages into fewer communications and still get that type of quality demand. And we spun that up really quickly. Our first one went out late uh, second half of March, and we continued to do that weekly for a little while. Um, and that was, that was a really interesting learning experience for us. You touched on something there that I think is really important. And I mean, beyond just the throttling back of digital outreach, because you're right, a, a lot of the people we we're trying to reach during this period of time were just getting inundated and getting digital fatigue and webinar fatigue, frankly. But um, another thing you touched on is kind of creating that mesh network is the way I like to describe it, kind of a mesh network of content where you get to wherever you're trying to get them to and you keep them there so they're able to access the type of information you're trying to get them to access. So everything's fully integrated and it's not just a one-off email with a CTA and, and a white paper or something and then wait for the next correspondence. I think you're absolutely right. You need to create that um, kind of mesh network of content and allow all of it to be symbiotic. And I think you mm -hmm. really touched on something there that is something that marketers can can learn from COVID if they weren't doing it before um, as a way to, to one, give your customers and your prospects um, the ability to access that information in one place, but two, get more value for your outreach and even more value for your content, right? That, and that's such a great point. I mean, I like the way you refer to it as this mesh network. I refer to it as message amplification. Um, and I look at it a couple different ways. You know, first, let's look at that end destination point, what you want the end user to see and interact with. All your messages are pointing towards some sort of ultimate content piece. And here's, here's a strategy that as marketers, we all know, if you're driving people to a landing page, you got two flavors that you want to run. You got your single offer and you got your hub. And a single offer, you've stripped out everything else except for the one action you want that reader to take, whether that's downloading a white paper, signing up for a webinar, agreeing to a meeting, one action. Everything else is stripped away. All your messages point towards that one action. Whereas in the other flavor, you have the hub, which is where you're bringing together lots of related content, of a mesh of content, to borrow your phrase here, that speaks to all sorts of solutions that solve multiple problems, all bounded within one single theme, remote working in this instance. That's one place you know, where you're driving all that, that landing page becomes more valuable for the end user, a little bit stickier for them because they're getting everything they need based on what their solution and their pain point is that they're trying to solve for. But you can't be single threaded in terms of how you're bringing people to that content. You gotta be multi-threaded. And that's, that's where we talk about message amplification. Email's great, but you gotta couple that email with digital retargeting and digital advertising because you're gonna be reaching people more broadly. And that battle for the inbox that I, I talked about earlier, this is where amplification of your message comes into play and helps you stick out. So email, 
perfect, great, single thread, add to that, add your digital advertising, add your social media, have your homepage being directing this, this main CTA for your target audience. When you do that, you capture more of the right demand for your products and your solutions, and you're going to have a better customer interaction at the end of the day. I like the word you used in terms of hub and at OpenText, we're setting up pods around different geos as well as industries. So uh, it, because my role is very global, it's it's in our company is very global. Um, we have pods for different areas of the world, but at the same time, we also have a U.S. public sector pod um, where we can bring all of that information. We we the pods are more the construct internally. And then we have these digital zones and those digital zones are exactly what you're, you're speaking to. It's, it's the area that you can provide the content that uh, is very specific to either that persona you're trying to reach or that industry you're trying to influence. Um, but I would love to hear what DLT is doing in that regard um, around hubs or, or those focus areas. You know, that's, that's a great question because we've actually had a very strategic investment in building an online buyer community, actually three distinct online buyer communities, all targeted towards the US public sector. So what you're doing at OpenText, that's exactly the type of strategy that we're talking about here. And I love to hear that you're doing that because here's what we did. Um, we actually, we looked at the marketplace and we saw an opportunity to help influence buyers and decision makers before they interact with your sales team. And, and here's why. Our good friends at Forrester did some research for us and they found in one of their studies that 70% of buyers are doing their research online before they ever visit your website. This is B2B, B2G buyers. 70%, they're doing research before they get to your website, which means by the time they're hitting your website, they may know more about your product than, than you expect. And six out of 10 of those buyers have already built a preference. Six out of 10 buyers have already built a preference for the technology that they want to buy before they look at the technology on your website. So what does that tell me as a marketer? That means I got to get earlier. I got to move way out front of the funnel before somebody becomes a marketing captured lead or a marketing engaged lead or you know down the road, a marketing qualified lead. I got to build that awareness so much earlier in the buyer's journey. And that's why we launched these GovHub programs. So these are online buyer communities that are technology domain focused. We have three of them today. They are focused around digital design for the public sector, cybersecurity for the public sector, and DevSecOps for the public sector. Uh, Gov Design Hub, Gov Cybersecurity Hub, and a really unique one, Gov DevSecOps Hub. It's a long <laughs> URL, but it's unique value for us. Um, and, and it's custom content all curated around those public sector decision makers and users and buyers who are trying to do that research, trying to understand what's out there, what should I be considering? What's the news? What is the latest thought leadership around these topics? And we've put those packages up, launched our third one actually just earlier this month, uh, DevSecOps Hub. We launched our cybersecurity hub October. We already have 100,000 readers on that site as of last month, so really strong out of the gate for that property. And we launched Gov Design Hub actually two years ago. What, what's your content breakdown in those type of areas? Uh, and, and I ask that because I think oftentimes we look at the only content that we drive to these these hubs or these channels that, that we build is content that we built. But I think you mentioned news and I, it made me think, I mean, third-party content is so important as, as you're looking to build a narrative, especially in government where they go for third-party validation on 
uh, topics all the time. Is that something you're building into this content breakdown you have? Amen. You, you nailed it right on the head. So as we look at these sites, we do bring in a lot of third-party content. We actually work with technology manufacturers and channel partners so we can get their thought leadership content up on the website, getting a wide array of diverse points of view around technology, endpoint solutions, and themes, pain points, drivers within these industries. We do that, bring together all these different viewpoints. The, the ultimate reader, the public sector decision maker and user or buyer, they're getting greater value out of that because now they're getting diverse perspectives. That's for the reader's benefit. This is why they want to keep coming to the site. This is why we have 100,000 unique readers on Gov Cybersecurity Hub already, and we'll hit 10,000 readers on DevSecOps Hub before, you know, before the end of this month. Really exciting stuff for the reader, but we also are creating value for those manufacturers, for those OEMs and those channel partners because that pre-funnel marketing thing that we were just talking about, we're helping them get their content, their brand, their solution and product out in front of those readers before they contact your sales team. So that as they're contacting you, six out of 10 of them have already built a preference for your solution. So that's really exciting for them. And we have some great sponsors on these properties already that are looking to work with us and, and, and investing with us. Um, several different sponsors across all the properties. Not only do they get that early awareness thought leadership so they can get in front of the right eyeballs at the right time, we also give them deep analytics and understanding on the back end in terms of, hey, here's what readers are interacting with. Here's where they seem to be doing research. Here's where somebody seems to have an endpoint security problem or where somebody's looking at how do you do deployment in an agile methodology. When you have that sort of reader insight, now you can build a more informed sales and marketing play. And now you're really off to the races because you're focusing your efforts on the channel. You're focusing your efforts on the reader, the buyer, in a way that is more targeted and is going to resonate with their pain points more. That's an easier sale. And I'll take that all day long. I think what you're showcasing too is a, a deep understanding at DLT of how the government procures, not that that was ever in question, but uh, as marketers, I think oftentimes so, uh, some people that come into B2G jobs sometimes come from the B2B sector and there's very different criteria through the procurement process, as you know, and as a lot of our listeners know. And I think this is a great example of ways that you can affect the process before it even gets to an RFP stage where you're trying to really influence what's going into that RFP and not being reactive, but proactive. And beyond that, uh, the ability to gain analytics from it. And a lot of programs that marketers run, what I've seen is there's great thought leadership and there's great information in, in terms of trying to influence that stage of the process. But what it's lacking is whether or not it really hit and it landed. And it's not until either the RFI or the RFP comes out that you know whether or not you're hitting the people that you needed to to make that influence uh, effective. And with those analytics on the back end, being able to understand exactly who it's going to at kind of the stage in, in, in which it, it appears, I think is a lot of value you're bringing to your DLT customers. Yeah, that's such a great point. And, and what you just said reminded me what's unique and really powerful about this market space is exactly what you just said with the RFI, RFP. We have such great line of sight as to what the market looks like years in advance. Mm -hmm. We know the buying cycles. We know when things are going to come out for bid or renewal or recompete, all of that. We got great line of sight 
Challenge is everybody else in this marketplace also has that exact same advantage, right? It's commoditized. You know exactly what the pipeline looks like for years to come. So how do you differentiate yourself? Pre-funnel marketing, building that awareness early, targeting the folks that you want to influence before the RFI comes out, engaging with them early, you can help influence that buying process. You can, if done right, you build your solutions into the requirements for the solution that the government wants to procure, and that's frictionless procurement. So what you just described is account-based marketing, right? It's, it's a very simple concept. When you're working with the federal government, though, or even at the state and local levels, the difficult part is how do you scale an account-based marketing program that's really meant to be narrow in scope? Um, so what successes have you had in doing that at DLT? Um, you know, that, that's a great question, right? Because account-based marketing or agency-based marketing in this space, it's not a new concept, right? Mm -hmm. that's, that's what sales and marketing has always been, is identifying your target accounts, identifying what their buying motivation is, what is their pain point, how do you map to that, how do you help solve for that, and then you engage. Technology has finally come along where we are able to execute account-based marketing or agency-based marketing at a scale that was so unattainable just even a few years ago. Whether you're using um, proprietary technology, there's third-party uh, vendors that are in this space right now. We happen to be working with a company called Triblio. Um, and then as you engage your social media channels, that's how you can create some scale and amplify your message across all these different platforms, all focusing in on your target list, your prospect list. And the government does us a, a favor, right? We know their pain points because those pain points become regulations, become mandates, become funded programs. And so you have that insight, you know the pain point, they know the pain point, it's really about effective positioning and broadening your reach to those, to those key buyers. So a couple areas where we've had success, these GovHub programs, we're helping companies identify where they should be pointing their sales and marketing efforts by giving them that sort of insight in terms of what content are the, are the public sector readers consuming so you can build a more informed sales and marketing strategy. And then we look at, you know, refer back to that remote working newsletter that we talked about earlier. I'm actually going to share where we got it wrong at first. We got it wrong before we got it right, because as we looked at the performance of that campaign and we looked at the engagement with that content, it took a little, it was a little high and low in the first few weeks, right? We had first week, pretty good engagement, kind of the numbers we wanted to see in terms of people consuming the content. Second week, not as good. Third week, not as good. But the people that were engaging with the content were really qualified. They were, they were engaged. They wanted the solutions that they were researching. We just weren't reaching people as broadly as we want to. I refer back now to that the battle for the inbox is heating up and the newsletter was our primary driver for the, uh, for the traffic to the landing page until we expanded that and amplified it with some other channels. But we looked at our frequency. And even though we hadn't recognized that with the battle for the inbox heating up, we needed to throttle back and consolidate our messages so we could still drive qualified demand. Weekly was too frequent. That frequency was too tight. We moved to a bi-weekly cadence and the numbers started climbing really quickly. Our most recent campaign was just wrapped up about two weeks ago. 30% um, open rate, 25% uh, click to open rate. It was really, really strong engagement. So now we're reaching the right people. We're engaging them more effectively and we're giving them the solutions they want. It's a really great success story. That's incredible engagement. Uh, another thing that you reminded me of as we were talking through this it, from an account-based strategy, it's so important that you align yourself with what the sales team is doing too. It's not something that marketing just does in a vacuum. 
And I think some of the, some of the best successes that I've had, uh, throughout some of the programs I've run have been ones that I brought sales in early on the front end of things as we're doing account mapping and, and trying to figure out what the right targets are and when to target them and getting that feedback from sales about who the key contacts are, who, what's the timing of the procurement? What are all the different focus areas that we need to understand before we just go after this account and, and hit them with messaging? Uh, so I think sales alignment and is just something that you reminded me of that needs to be said is a large factor in the success of any program, I think. I, I'm, I'm so glad you bring that up. That's, that is the key ingredient to success. It's not sales marketing, it's sales and marketing. You know, the, mm -hmm. the story I often uh, tell people or when I'm working with our sales leaders is I remind them that we need to be aligned because in order for sales to be successful, in order for marketing to be successful, sales needs to be successful and vice versa. And so how do you force that alignment? And, and something that we do, something that's worked really well to force that alignment, because there's always great cooperation. There's mm -hmm. always great cooperation. It's how especially do you cooperate? now. Traditionally, it seemed like there wasn't, but I feel like especially now, as I think marketing's provided even more value to sales uh, over the past maybe decade, I'll say, just, just in the short term. But I think as we've gotten more into an account-based marketing posture and we've been able to drive value for the sales team i think there has been more of a a symbiotic relationship now within sales when before it was just it sometimes it would feel contentious yeah I, I, that's a great point and it's this is where i often refer back to like the art and science that is marketing um and so i think if you probably your experience i, I don't know maybe i'd be interested to hear what your experience has been here but in my experience our best sales reps are the ones who sit down and write a plan at the beginning of the month of what they're gonna accomplish. And just that act of sitting down and writing out their plan. Like, if I'm gonna hit this number, I think I gotta achieve this much in calls, this much in meetings, this much in co quality conversations and qualified pipeline. They, they map out exactly what they wanna achieve. And then the really good ones map out, how am I gonna get there? Well, and this is where the science comes in. If I want to close one deal and I close one out of every 10 deals, then I need 10 qualified folks to talk to. And if I want 10 qualified folks to talk to, I'm, I might need 50 numbers to call. And as they work through that math, that's where marketing can reach in and help. And we can say, oh, okay. So you're looking for 50 contacts that fit this profile and you want to sell them X or you want to position them for Y. Let me tell you how I'm going to help you. This is the type of content I'm going to push out to those eyeballs over the next 30 days so that when you pick up the phone, they're already engaged with the content. Or even better, they're calling you because we've helped identify the need. And if you do that, that's where you're making the job of the sales rep easier because you're driving more demand to them. And you're making the job as the marketer better because you know what sales is doing. So the virtue of writing down your plan and then sitting with your marketing partner and having them write out a plan of how they're going to support you that creates great alignment. Yeah, everything everything I've seen and everything I've experienced absolutely aligns with that. I know all the AEs that I work with at Open Text around the world, the ones that lean on me uh, to support some of the account mapping that they're doing and and kind of ask what programs they can align to as they're building this out, have definitely been the ones that have been more successful. And it's not it's not just because I was involved; it's because they wanted to understand what marketing was doing so they can amplify some of the programs that they're going at that to affect some of the customers they're going after. So, um, I, the ones that map it out ahead of time, and it, it's, it's like we talked about previously, 
if you don't do that work on the front end, you're going to end up having to do triple the work on the back end to make up for it. Instead of just doing Bingo. the legwork ahead of time, just just get after it, figure out where you need to focus on. And I think when, when push comes to shove, you are going to be successful instead of having to be react, reactive when some of those deals don't come in. Yeah, it, that's such a great point, right? I mean, how many times have we had campaigns that fell short, right? We fail more often than we succeed in marketing. And, and when you look at some of those campaigns that fall short of your expectations, and you're like, oh, now I got to do more to make up for that shortfall. And now I got to do more to make up for that shortfall. And now you're creating a backlog of work. Sales starts to disengage because they feel like marketing just isn't getting it. Whereas to use your words, you invest that time up front. You don't have to invest that time on the back end. You work smarter at the beginning. You create that alignment. Your campaigns are going to be more successful. I promise you every single time. So in your, in your role now where you're working with all these different customers trying to, uh, win business within the federal government beyond just the conditions that COVID set, what were some of the challenges that you saw that were, that, that became patterns of companies that were just trying to get into the space, whether it's from a sales perspective or a marketing perspective, where was the most amount of value that you could affect and drive change for these customers when they were coming in and some of the challenges that they had? You know, what's interesting about that is, my answer is it's not one answer. It really depends on where is that manufacturer and where is that channel partner in terms of their engagement with the public sector today. I think there's a lot of companies right now that offer a cookie cutter approach to how you capture the public sector. We're gonna do these many calls in these many days and we're gonna get you this much pipeline and it's the same plan for everybody that they work with. And that's actually, you know, it's it's a model. It's It's effective in a lot of cases, but I actually believe that you got to calibrate your, what your services are and what you're doing based on where that manufacturer or where that channel partner is in their evolution. So the answer is, first, we start off with a planning discussion. Where are you? Where do you need to go? Because you may need my help in building pipeline. You may need my help in building awareness. And those can be two very different plays. And so the challenge is, how do you make sure that you understand and are close to your manufacturers and your channel partners in their journey towards capturing more public sector business and then aligning to that. Well, it seemed like a lot of the companies that I used to work with uh, when I was at a mix group in Arrow, the thing that they would want is market validation. And to me, market validation to them was leads and revenue opportunities. It wasn't necessarily awareness. And a lot of them were smaller players that were new to the market that wanted to test their, their feet in the the, the giant pool that is government uh, sales and marketing, but uh, it's it's something that they just wanted market validation to see whether or not they wanted to fully commit. And it's been my experience that unless you're fully committed and you're you're ready to go all in on the market, you're probably not going to get a lot of success. You know, it's yeah, absolutely this is a market where it needs specialized services, it needs specialized focus and teams that are gonna manage that business for you. And, and that's part of the value that DLT brings here is our value services are purpose-built to help companies capture public sector business. And it's not easy. It's why we work with some of the, the leading technology companies uh, in the nation today, because they recognize that you need to have that sort of specialized focus. Market validation, great point, right? Like, is this right for me? How do I know that? How do I test that? Well, we got to work together and understand what is your go-to-market strategy here, and then we can help align to that. 
And so when you talk to go-to-market strategy, I know uh, Alan Rubin and I were having a conversation about leveraging the channel in, in the development of strategy. How do you, from a marketing perspective, help some of these OEMs understand if they don't already know the value of the channel, understand the channel, and then how do you help them build that into their uh, marketing strategy as they go forward? Because I know that's something that might not be thought about as a marketing function, but to me, it's actually actually paramount to the success of just a mar- not just a marketing program, but the success of the entire uh, sales campaign. So how do you help them understand and then leverage the market into their strategy? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, again, you got to you got to look at the buyer, right? And how is it that they like to consume technology and what are their requirements? And the government buyer is different than the business buyer and is certainly different than the consumer. Um, they have preferred routes to market. They have contract vehicles. They have um, uh, programs in which they want to invest with specific partners, um, you know, whether that's a socioeconomically disadvantaged business, 8A, what have you, specialized uh, vendors you got to leverage the channel if you're going to be able to reach your customer. And if you're not paying attention to that, you're going to miss out on a large part of the business. And so that's why DLT has such a focused channel development program. And working with tech data, we've just exponentially expanded the number of channel partners we can work with to help bring technology companies, products, and solutions to the public sector. And you're exactly right. That That's all marketing. It's more than just lead generation. And it's more than just awareness. It's understanding the routes to market and to go back to a point I think you were making earlier, that's how you scale, by the way. And I, I also think, too, that the more we as marketers can take a look at everything else going on around us and try to step outside of our, our swim lane sometimes and, and understand areas that we're not comfortable in, I think we're going to get a lot more value folded into any type of strategy that we build out because it's really understanding the entire business. And I think as marketers younger in our careers, I think we're trained to, to focus on very specific things, whether it's emails, leads, hit KPIs and, and move on to the next thing. But I think the further along you get and the more you understand the holistic nature of the business and how everything works. And that's another reason why it's so important to work so closely with sales, but to understand their role and understand how they go about doing, uh, doing their job and what benefits they can get from us. And, um, what the, what the C-level folks within your own company are struggling with. So you understand really what matters to them. The more, the more you get brought into those type of conversations and the more you, you reach out to learn more about what's happening. I think that the channel is a great example of this because it's off, often seen as a, often looked at as a sales related function, but the more we as marketers take a look at those outside things happening, we're just going to drive so much more strategy to the marketing programs that we have, but then just the the sales business of the entire organization. And, and by the way, that's the ladder for career growth because mm-hmm. I, I think something that you and I have talked about in the past is it's such a valuable asset as as a marketer to be able to see the whole engine end to end and and looking at it as such and being able to understand here's where you know here's the the, the opening of the engine. And there's all the different ways that we conduct business and the challenges we have and our strategic objectives. And here's how we book revenue at the end of the day. And if you can visualize that whole thing end to end, then you can start pinpointing, ah, 
here's where I think I can optimize or help make this machine a little bit more efficient. And that's how you become more valuable to your team, to your boss, to your employer. And that's really, that's career acceleration right there as a marketer, because, and this is where, you know, my background as a marketing operations uh, professional, um, you know, earlier in my career, that really helped me, right? Because operations person, their job is to figure out how do I connect A to B and make that work for this strategic campaign that I'm being asked to execute? How do I make the email go out to the right list and the right follow-up happen and the right key activity get triggered and the right alert to the sales rep? You have to think end to end and think about the machine. As you go through your career, you're lucky enough, you'll get broader perspective on your business and you'll zoom out from where you are today in your role, which whatever your role is, whether you're a digital designer, whether you're a social media specialist, whether you're in PR or Marcom, as you begin to zoom out from your current area of responsibility, see how you fit into the broader picture, you can identify where you can help the business grow and that's gonna grow your career. One of my mentors, Rita Walston, when I was at Imix Group used to say, there are swim lanes, but it's all water. And I love that quote, it really stuck with me because I know everyone has a task at hand but it's all fluid. So you have to find ways to help and support other areas of the business. It's so critical. Yeah. And then the other thing is, if you see a problem that's really ugly and sticky that nobody wants to solve, be the person who goes in and tries to solve it. Um, Because that's, that's real value right there. And as you get that perspective, as you're looking across the different swim lanes, I love that metaphor, by the way, it's all water. As you look across it and you see where there's a challenge, be the person who steps in and takes that on and says, I'm going to go ahead and try and solve this. And that's, that's huge growth for you. I think that's a great, I think that's a great point. And, and I'm going to give you uh, some time now to give us any final thoughts, but I, that sounds like some great final thoughts right there. But a- anything you want to leave the audience with today, Tom? You know, uh, one, I just appreciate the time. I, I always love catching up with you, Brian. I don't know if your listeners know this, but you and I actually went to high school together. Um, so it was great to, to reconnect. Um, don't tell them how old we are. Well, we're not going to talk about that. Because, <laughs> I mean, it was 18, 17. No, yeah, that's not right. Yeah. I'm doing the math wrong. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I think it's, you know, you got, as a marketer, I think, you know, we know that we're challenged with resources, budget, and pressure to create more qualified demand. You know, the way you do that is look at ways where you can deliberately throttle back and make your messages amplify at the same time, and you're going to drive better demand. Look at the big picture, see where you fit into it and understand the business outcomes that the company is trying to drive, not just your role. And then use your role to identify where there are pain points and let yourself become the hero. Go in and try and solve that. And you're going to learn so much. You may fail a few times, but you're going to learn so much and you become so much more valuable. Great insight, Tom. Thanks again for joining the show. Thank you. This has been the Government Huddle Podcast. You can check out more episodes of the show by heading over to gmarku.com or on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Please feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn or on Twitter at ChittisterAB. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye for now.